0: We're going to read a few verses from Revelation chapter 19 this morning. Christmas is over. Christ has come and yet we know this. Christ has come and yet we know that Christ is coming again. Amen. He came once as a babe in the manger. He's coming again as our Savior and as our Lord. In fact, in his opening line in the book of Acts... Um, we're not going to turn there this morning, but in his opening line in the book of Acts, Luke says this: In the first book, that is, in in the gospel that he wrote, he said, "In my first book, I have dealt with all the things that Jesus began to do and teach that he began to do and teach. What Jesus began to do and teach, having knows, has not quite, has not yet, uh, quite been finished." all that he began to, to do and uh, teach. Now, we do know this, that the saving work that he came to do, that is his death, his burial, his resurrection, his death on the cross, that saving work, how many knows that has been finished? Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. So his saving work uh, was finished, as was his resurrection. But that Ministry of reconciliation that he came and that he began, Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And so that ministry of reconciliation that he began, and he knows that ministry carries on, and it carries on through the church. And that's what the book of Acts is all about to demonstrate that that ministry of reconciliation passed on from Jesus to the church and that they continued that work that ministry of reconciliation, and it is, is up for us, uh, to us today, to continue that work uh, of reconciliation. So that ministry carries on. Jesus Christ has gone away. He has given to us the Holy Spirit so that we might continue uh, that ministry, continue what he has begun. But there is coming a day when God will consider that work, that uh, ministry of the gospel, that saving, that that ministry of reconciliation, that God will consider that work to be finished and He will bring that to an end and He will bring uh, uh, history as we know it, He will bring uh, the world to an end, as Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, remember when he said to his disciples, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So that ministry must be complete, finished before the end comes. And then at that time, the Bible teaches us that Jesus will return. When God has determined that that period, that time of, of, of grace in which we now live, when it is filled up, when it is completed, then Jesus will return first, the Bible says, to rapture his church. And what a day that will be when Jesus comes and we, we are called up to meet him in the clouds. I mean, I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? So Jesus Christ will return first to rapture his church, and then he will return to judge the world, to judge wickedness and lawlessness. And so, uh, even as we celebrate the first advent of Jesus Christ, the first coming of Jesus Christ, we also anticipate his second coming, his return to planet earth. However, uh, the manner of his, how many know the manner of his second coming will be dramatically different than his first? Uh, The nature of his second coming is going to be quite different than the way... The way he comes the second time is going to be quite different than the way that he came the first time. John saw and he told us uh, what we should expect. And so I want you to read with me in Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse number uh, 11. John said, And then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We're thankful this morning that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to complete, to finish that work of salvation. He died on the cross for us so that whosoever will believe in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. We celebrate that. We rejoice in that great gift of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, we need your spirit, your church, your people. We need your spirit, God, to empower us so that we can preach the gospel, that we can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the entire world. Fill us, Lord, with your presence. Give us, God, the power that we need to be your witnesses. We know that, God, it will not be long before Jesus Christ returns. So we pray that, Lord, you would teach us to keep our robes white. Teach us, Lord, to keep our lamps filled with oil so that we might be ready when he comes again. Lord, I ask that you would anoint me today to preach with clarity, with conviction, and give us, Lord, all ears to hear what you'd like to say to us. In the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen and amen. And listen, whatever uh, we just celebrated Christmas, and whatever whatever drama and whatever spectacle was lacking in Christ's first coming, the, the time that He first came to planet Earth, whatever drama and spectacle was lacking then, how many knows is, is made up for in His second coming? Uh, when He comes again, He is He is no babe uh, in a manger wrapped in cloths. The Bible says this time around he's a mighty warrior. He's wearing a robe that is drenched in blood and he's riding a white horse. Uh, there is, this time there is no silent night with just a few adoring fans uh, but instead the second time he comes it is a dazzling display of light and sound and fury that's It's played before a worldwide audience. Every eye sees. Everyone acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come again. The first time that Jesus came, he came as a suffering servant. The Bible says that he allowed himself to be led as a lamb to the slaughter. The next time that he comes, the next time that we see him, the Bible says he'll have eyes like fire and that he'll slay the wicked with the powerful sword of his word. He'll speak the word and they'll just, they'll melt before him. The angel told Mary and Joseph, and we've talked about this, the angel told Mary and Joseph to call his name Jesus, and so that's what they named him, Jesus. His friends, the Bible says, they called him rabbi or uh, teacher. His enemies... Called Jesus all sorts of things. They called him illegitimate. They called him a drunkard. They called him a sinner. They called him crazy. They called him a blasphemer. Some of them even said that he was demon-possessed. Many today call him Savior. Aren't you glad to call him Savior this morning? Many today call him Savior, but still others call him a, a good man, a prophet, or a a teacher. But listen, when he comes again, when he comes the second time, there is one thing that everyone will call him, because it's written on his robe, and it's written on his thigh. The Bible says that his name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Whatever whatever drama or spectacle was lacking in this first coming is made up for in his second coming. Can you say amen? Listen, if you think that the world is offended by Christmas, then can you imagine what they're going to think or what they're going to say at the sequel when Jesus comes back the second time? When the Christ of Christmas returns as as Christ the King. I know one thing that they'll say because the Bible says that everyone, everyone will say it. When Jesus Christ comes again, the Bible says that every knee will bow and that every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Can we just, let's confess that right now. Let's not wait. Amen. Let's just lift up your hands to the Lord and confess Him. Lord Jesus You are my Lord. I confess you freely, willingly. Lord Jesus, I confess. You are Lord. King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is coming again. Amen? Jesus Christ is coming once more. The second coming of Christ is the great, it is the the climactic event of all history. It's the centerpiece. ...of biblical prophecy. is the event to which prophecy points toward the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's especially the, the centerpiece, the pivotal point of the book of Revelation. And according to all that we know about the timing of the Lord's return... ...according to everything that we can learn about when He will come again... ...and what the conditions will be like... ...and how we should know to expect Him to come again then we can know this. We can know that we are very near to the return of Jesus Christ. Very, very near to the second advent of Jesus Christ. And it's significant for us this morning to note how John characterizes the return of Jesus Christ. Look again. He says that Jesus returns to judge and to make war. That he strikes down the nations and he rules them with a rod of iron. John says he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. The bottom line is that this is a time of great trouble and a time of great violence because Jesus Christ has returned to judge wickedness, to judge lawlessness, in particular the the man of lawlessness, and to establish justice once and for all, therefore, the world, the world usually interprets the book of Revelation as a great, a great cataclysm, a series of a, of apocalyptic, catastrophic uh, events. In fact, did you know that the History Channel is advertising? I didn't know this until just the other day. Uh, the History Channel is advertising the premiere of a series that they're airing over the next couple of days. I think it starts tomorrow night. Um, on Revelation, on the book of Revelation. They've been promoting this series. It's a series that they have done based on the book of Revelation. It's called, listen, ominously, it's called Revelation, the end of days. Now, I don't, I'm not encouraging you to watch it. I, I don't know if I'm even going to watch it or not. But listen to the descriptions that they give to just a couple of the episodes of this uh, their series on the book of, of Revelation. Uh, here's series, uh, episode number one, Road to Babylon. This is their description, okay? What if, what if the apocalyptic prophecies of the Bible were to unfold today? As the world is ripped apart by a sequence of horrifying catastrophes, a TV reporter and his cameraman embark on an epic road trip across war-ravaged America. Their goal? Their goal? to decode the secrets of revelation and identify the antichrist their journey plunges them into the heart of the apocalypse if they can make their way through rivers of blood the rivers of blood plagues of locusts and fields of fire prophesied 2000 years ago they stand a chance of witnessing the most extraordinary event of all the second coming of christ here's episode number 2 Trumpets Sound is the title of this episode. What if the apocalyptic prophecies of Revelation were to unfold today? When the wailing wall comes down in a series of bomb attacks that rock Jerusalem, the event kick-starts seven years of torment that will test the limits of mankind. A Pennsylvania cop hunts for hundreds of thousands of children mysteriously missing in a storm ravaged America. Two scientists race to stop a deadly pandemic that threatens to decimate the world. And a TV reporter trapped inside a worn, torn Israel desperately tries to decode the secrets of Revelation. Well, I've got news this morning. The book of Revelation is not written in, in code. It's not written in a special code. It's written so that we might, so that we might know what will happen when Christ does Return, and so that, and here's the point, so that we might avoid the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. You see, it's it's too bad that the producers of that series for um, the History Channel did not stick with the with the actual title of the Book of Revelation, because the actual title of the Book of Revelation is not Revelation: The End of Days. <laughs> The actual title of the book of Revelation is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, when you you read the book of Revelation, when you read the book of Revelation, when the producers of the History Channel read the book of Revelation, when anybody reads the book of Revelation, what you are supposed to see is Jesus Christ. What you're supposed to see is a revelation of the Savior of the world who came so that we might be set free from sin and so that we might not have to suffer the wrath of the fury of Almighty God. So when you read the book of Revelation, you're supposed to see Jesus Christ. If what you do see when you read the book of Revelation is horrifying catastrophes, rivers of blood, plagues of locusts, fields of fire, bombs, torment, natural disasters and pandemics, then how many knows that something is wrong with your tuner? (laughs) Because what you're supposed to see is Jesus Christ. If all you do see is catastrophe and calamity and trouble and violence and woe, then something is wrong with the way that you're looking at the book of Revelation. And you see, your perspective Your perspective depends on your opinion of, of who it is that's riding the white horse. In Revelation chapter 19, John saw, the Bible says that John saw heaven's open, which means that he was given the opportunity to peek in at future events. That he was given the opportunity to see a vision, a vision of a spiritual, a transcendent and eternal reality that not everyone else was able to see. And what John saw was he saw the preparations that were being made for God's justice to be served on earth. The moment, the very moment just before Jesus Christ returns to judge the world and to wage war against Uh, the antichrist and listen even the world even the world seems to concede that that there must be some future event that balances the scales of justice in this world even the world why is history channel running a series on the apocalypse on the book of revelation is because even the world is beginning to concede and understand that, listen, things have gone so horribly bad and things are so horribly wrong that there must be some event that balances the scale. There has to be something that happens that will balance the scale. And so they they seem to concede that there has to be a moment when justice is served, when everything that is wrong with the world is somehow made right. And they sense they sense that the scale is even now about to tip and that we must be at that moment of, of retribution. In their eyes, that's what it is, that moment of retribution. They, they, they sense that, that this world must be coming uh, to an end and therefore they anticipate that moment, that moment when... Christ returns or that moment of revelation, they interpret that moment with fear and with dread. They look up and they see the rider on the white horse and the bottom line is they fear the rider of the white horse because they understand that he's coming to wage war and to exact justice on the world. What I want you to see this morning for just a A short moment is that when we look up and when we read the book of Revelation, when we see the heavens opened and we see that rider on the white horse, listen, we do not see a man of fear. But John says, I saw the one who sat on the white horse, and his name was Faithful and True. (laughs) You see, the difference is made with how you view the rider. Of the white horse. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is, is coming again. He is returning. He will do justice. He will wage war on the Antichrist, but he is a faithful and he is a true judge. Amen. And that we as Christians, when we look around and we see the things good and waxing worse and worse around us, That we can look up to heaven and see Jesus Christ and recognize that, listen, there is coming a day. God has ordained a day that Jesus Christ himself will return. And we do not fear that day. We don't dread that day. We're not looking toward catastrophes and calamities and, and rivers of blood and fields of fire and plagues of locusts. Listen, when I look up, you know who I'm looking for? I'm looking for Jesus Christ. The rider of the white horse who is faithful and who is true. Who I know that I can trust. Paul said it this way. He said, I know him whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. We do not fear the return of Jesus Christ. We anticipate the second coming of Jesus Christ. We do not look at the the day of the return of the Lord as a day of violence and catastrophe and calamity. We look at it as a day of deliverance and salvation. That just as God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that first time to be a Savior for us, to die on the cross, to save us from our sins, we now look up and we anticipate the second coming of Jesus Christ, and that also will be a day of deliverance and salvation. Because when Jesus Christ comes again, I'm looking forward to going up with him, aren't you? I'm looking forward to spending eternity with him. Now, in the meantime, there's work for us to do. It's the work that is remaining for us to do is to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. But listen, the end times do not need to be a time of fear and dread. There can be a time of hope and anticipation as we wait for the glorious return of Jesus Christ. I know that there are those that are sitting here this morning that, that 2014 has been, a, has been a difficult year. It's been a tough year. And I know that there are some that are here this morning that are, are saying, you know, I'm glad to see 2014 go. I said to somebody this morning, I said, you know, there's always something good about the change of a year, even though every day is an opportunity to have a fresh start. There's something about a new year that you can just kind of say, Goodbye to the old, and you can anticipate the new amen and so I know that there are things in two thousand and fourteen you're you 're eager to let go and release and make sure that and say they 're in the past, and that you're you 're looking forward to two thousand and fifteen as a year of anticipation when jesus who knows but that two thousand and fifteen might be the year. <laughs> that the heavens are opened and the rider of the white horse comes down. That'd be all right with me, wouldn't it, you? Amen. I'm looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. But until he comes, there's work for us to do. We have to tell the world that, listen, Jesus Christ suffered and he died so that they might be saved, so that they might be released from the bondage of of sin. That Jesus Christ is, is coming back in great deliverance and salvation to all of those who love his appearing. You see, that's what it boils down to. It's whether or not you fear his return, whether or not you dread his return, or whether or not you love his appearing. Whether or not when you look up to the rider of the white horse, whether you're filled with fear and dread, or whether you look up and you say, there is he who is faithful and true. Telling you this morning that Jesus Christ is that one who is faithful and true. He's a good God. He's a loving, heavenly Father. He's a just Savior. And He's coming back soon. It's difficult for us in these last days, and I'll close with this. Mike, if you'll come to the piano. It's difficult. And it's I've said this before, and I hope that I don't sound like a broken record where this is concerned but I just keep getting a sense in my spirit that the Lord is saying, well, I know that the Lord is continually saying to me, and so I feel like that he wants me to continually remind you that it's so very important to keep your focus on Jesus in these last days. Make sure you're watching the rider of the white horse, the one who is faithful and true. If you get your eyes off of Jesus, then listen, the events of this world around us, catastrophic. (laughs) Rivers of blood, right? Fields of fire. Seems like everything's going bad and going wrong. But listen, if that's your view, then you're looking at the wrong thing. Because our view is Jesus Christ, the one who is faithful and true. The one who's riding the white horse. The one who has taught us to look up because our redemption is drawing nigh. Amen. In 2015, I'm not predicting anything. 2015, it might be the year Jesus comes. Listen, he could still come in 2014. Amen. But he's coming and it's, it's very soon. It's important for us to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ the one who's faithful, the one who's true. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask you this morning, there's anybody here today that you do not know Jesus Christ, you're not sure that you're ready, if Jesus Christ were to come today. The thought, in fact, if the thought of His return, it fills you with fear and dread instead of hope and anticipation, then today you need to come to him and say, Lord Jesus, (laughs) I need you to be my Savior so that I don't fear the return of Jesus, but that I anticipate it and I'm looking for it so that I will love your appearing."